Hi there, it's Lucia, host of the Witch Money podcast here. Before we start today's episode, I just wanted to tell you about a really handy new tool from us here at Witch, and even better, it's free. It's called My Money Health Check. All you need to do is answer a few quick questions about your finances, and then we'll do the rest, pointing you towards our brilliant witch advice that we think you'll find really useful. Once again, that's My Money Health Checks. If you want help with cutting your bills or making your money go further, it's the place for you. Just head to witch.co.uk forward slash My Money Health Check. Hello and welcome to the Witch Shorts podcast. In this brand new podcast, we'll be bringing you the very best articles from across witch.co.uk and our suite of magazines. And we know you're busy, so with Witch Shorts, we're giving you the chance to listen to our insightful journalism wherever you might be, whether that's at home or on the move. Witch is the UK's consumer champion, and with the help of our team of experts, we bring you the very best advice, not only to help inform your buying choices, but also to help you live better and get more for your money. Now, this is our second episode, and if you like what you've heard so far, then please do remember to subscribe so you don't miss the next one, and we'd also love it if you'd leave us a review and a rating too, wherever you're listening. This week, we're going on a journey to discover Hidden Crete, swapping the tourist beat for a culinary adventure in traditional Cretan villages, crowd-free ancient ruins, and the beach resorts locals love. To read us this article, written by James Stewart, I'll hand you over to Witches Angus Farker. Few concepts as outwardly simple as a holiday are so complex. Sure, you take a break somewhere different, yet you visit equally to find a place created in your head from holiday brochures, hearsay and hopes. That's why the travel industry fetishises perfection. It is selling us our dreams. Most Britons bound for Greece dream of Crete. The largest Greek island is the most visited in the which annual Greek island survey and always ranks in readers' top three favourites. Pre-pandemic, there was even mention of over-tourism. You can see the appeal. Prices are keen, your odds on for heat. Temperatures in April and May averaged 21 degrees C. And with sun near guaranteed, north coast resorts around Heraclean and Harnia complete the holy trinity of happy holidays, sea and sand. Yet beyond the resorts is another Crete, It's one steeped in tradition, wildly romantic, a place where the ancient ideal of Philoxenia remains alive. It's not even hard to find, indeed. I discovered it 30 minutes from Harnia International Airport. I arrive into Harnia in the late afternoon. It's love at first stroll. The old town is a maze of shutters and dead ends. It's recent boutique hotels grounded by long-term residents who air shoes on open windows. At the harbour, cafes jostle for waterfront space and old boys fish from bollards. There's a lovely buzz of conversation and laughter and music. Of life, actually. What I most like about Harnia, though, is its attitude. A 14th century Venetian aristocrat's mansion? Use it for a hotel. An Ottoman Turkish hammam? Stick a restaurant in the old baths. At the harbour, Crete's oldest mosque, 1645, houses a port office, while a minaret turns out to be just the thing for a lighthouse. 
It's a winningly insouciant approach to heritage that only somewhere brimful of the stuff can pull off. Given that Minoan Crete, a wellspring of Western civilization in the Bronze Age, was ancient even to ancient Greeks, anything post-1700 probably seems like next door's new extension. Hidden Crete, though? Not really. Not with so many gift shops and Captain Nick's glass-bottom boat crews in the harbour. So the last thing I expected was an epiphany in Odos Shridloff. What my guidebook calls the most commercially touristy street in Harnia, chic, leather, shoes, travel stuff, seems just another shop in the lane. Same racks of belts, same sandals. Only when you peek inside do you see Georgios sewing black knee boots. Stevania, the traditional male footwear of Crete. He tells me how he's the last bootmaker left in a street originally called Stivanadica. How 70 years ago, when his father left Terrace, opened this cubbyhole of a shop, the street sang clickety-clack to sewing machines. The boots are now for tourists, I assume. Georgios gives an exasperated snort. People come from mountain villages to buy these for dancing. Also these. He picks up a pair with soles like tractor tyres for farm work. Boot sales alone don't generate an income. But it is important to keep making them. It is our tradition, he says. Polya, owner of nearby knife outlet O. Arminis, might agree. We chat while her husband Michaelis lathes steel in a workshop smelling of hot metal and glue, much as his grandfather probably did when the shop opened in 1912. His sepia photo, white shirt, huge hands splayed on knees, is in the window beneath knives he would recognise. Olive-handled blades for food, daggers with notched handles of oxbone or goat horn for hunting. Four knife-makers now continue a historic craft once famed throughout Greece. A Cretan knife is a special gift, Polya says, doing her sales pitch against cheap imports. Then she adds, if you lose your history and culture, you lose who you are. And I wonder if maybe it's not that tourist favourites like Harnia lack tradition, Maybe it's just that we don't recognise it. You'll drift happily between Harnia's beaches and harbour right up until the moment you look inland. Serrating the skyline behind are the Lefka Ori, the White Mountains. Come, they whisper, explore. It's a hard scrabble, land riven by gorges. Hikers, take note. Tied together by mad hairpinning roads which look like doodles on a map. In their foothills are farming villages where time is measured by the click of worry beads. Sights? None really. Instead, the foothills provide travel's greatest luxury, the opportunity to discover on a whim. I started at Armini. Two miles away in Kalivi's beach resort are pizza grills and scooter rentals. Here on a square canopied by palm trees, chaps with walrus moustaches, check shirts and worry beads nurse a racky outside the cafe bar as if the first to finish buys the next round. Inside Armini's shop are jars of honey with no label, piles of sausages, rounds of Graveria sheep's cheese and a silver bowl full of soft mazifera goat's cheese. All come from nearby farms, Thanasis tells me before apologising for the Graveria. Holidaying Athenians had hoovered up his mature stuff over summer, so now all he can offer, he proffers a sliver, is this six-month-old cheese. It's creamy, nutty and delicious. Onwards and upwards, with a hunk of Graveria on the passenger seat, I see a scooter held together by gaffer tape on the road ahead, its rider carrying two live chickens in a basket. Whole oak and pines replace olives. 
the air cools. In Gavalahori village, hydrangeas bloom in old olive oil tins outside carved stone doorways. On a square the size of a postage stamp at Arismari Cafenion, Anastasia serves sludgy coffee brewed slowly the old Ottoman way by heating the pan in hot sand. I ask about some grottos I'd noticed outside the village. They're Byzantine wells, she says casually, in the bar at Mazza. I order chilled raki. The first sip explodes like frosted stars. Costa, the owner, returns a moment later with squares of steaming spinach pie. No charge, he says. They're a gift, he shrugs. I had to spare. Afterwards, he invites me to see what appears to be a tiny barn. I confess, I'm not thrilled. The heavy lock turns, the door opens, and we step into a tiny church. Every inch of its walls covered in frescoes, the colours of dark ink and red wine stains. Magnificent kings, doe-eyed saints and Jesus fill the apse. To enter is to glimpse at how the Orthodox Church kept the flame of Cretan culture alive through centuries of occupation. 700 years old, Costa whispers. I said before I was touring on a whim. That's not quite true. I was en route to Dracona. It was there in 2004 that a chef called Stelios Trilorakos launched a restaurant in his grandmother's small holding. Today, Dunias is a throwback to another era. Most ingredients come from Stelios' farm. His Gudamuscara cows are descended from Minoan stock. He has DNA analysis to prove it. Everything is cooked by fire alone. People thought I was crazy, Stelios says, but why change what works? The recipes are his grandmother's. Simple, gutsy, peasant food that's as far from tourist-friendly masaka and souvlaki as it gets. Stelios lifts lids on four clay pots bubbling outside. Father goat, very fresh greens, baby wild pig, sheep's head. I order tasters of everything. Homemade bread with Stelios's olive oil, mature hard cheese, slow-cooked goat with wild thyme, cabbage leaves stuffed with rice. In the name of research, I also try the sheep's head. Surrounding Greek diners nod approval. Bravo, one says. Reader, I cannot recommend it. It's not just that it looks like an Indiana Jones dare, but because the meat inside has a musty, gelatinous quality. I can also confirm that sheep really do have tiny brains, which is a blessing given how they taste. Still, a genuine culinary adventure. Who saw that coming in Package Holiday Crete? That's not to say all Cretan beach resorts are package jobs. The south coast is to Cretans what Crete is to Greeks. Untamed, vivid. Islanders know it for parched mountains and sparkling seas. Well, that and for family vendettas which make the feud in Romeo and Juliet seem a minor tiff. One village had to evacuate when an argument about a goat got out of hand. Not that you'll experience that in laid-back Parliocra. Its arc of sandy beach guarantees low-key holiday apartments and bars called coconuts. But there are also locals gossiping at tables. Cretans prize it for a weekender. Recommendations don't come higher. I'm here as a base to visit Sugia village. The mountain drive was too tortuous. The ferry there leaves at 8am, so at 7.30am you wait outside the closed ticket office. It's still closed at 7.55am. When there's a yell from the dock, much waving of arms, and you board the ferry at a gallop to buy a ticket as crew cast off. You grin and shrug to the other tourists that, well, this is Crete. 
It's splendidly chaotic. It's worth a ticket price alone as a mini cruise. On the left are mountains the colour of camel hide on a coast that's too wild to civilise. On the right is empty sea to Africa. Most of the passengers who disembark have come to walk. So have I, in a way. From Sugia village, tiny, faintly bohemian, set before a spectacular bay, I push through a herd of goats to access a canyon. Hot pines perfume the air. A peregrine falcon patrols overhead. At one point, the rock wall arcs overhead like a breaking wave. Twenty minutes later, I'm strolling over a hillside. I say hillside. It's more like walking through a myth. There's no evidence of humanity in this ancient landscape. Just wild thyme and mountains all the way to the valley walled by escarpments, fronted by shimmering sea. Within, I can just see buildings, the ruins of Lissos. In late antiquity, when the Roman Empire was a gleam in history's eyes, Lissos was so powerful a trading city it minted its own gold coins. Today, it's one of the most haunted ruins you'll visit in Crete, though not for the reason you might expect. For hours I ramble through the valley. Steps lead to a temple with a near-complete mosaic floor. Curlicues like waves, geometric crosses and sunbursts, intertwined swastikas, a symbol of good luck until perverted by Hitler a quail in dusky pinks and greys. When the wind whispers through the olive trees, you can hear the old gods whisper. Elsewhere, I find a tiny theatre tiered among olives and a Roman necropolis, a genuine city of the dead with 50 or so tombs stacked up a hillside. While the ruins are patchy, what wows is the absence of tourism. There are no ticket booths, no concrete paths, goats graze among column bases hidden in the scrub. To visit is to glimpse the Greece known to Lawrence Durrell and Patrick Lee Fermor. Busy? At 10am, there is only a shepherd whose yells, Heyo! echo off cliffs. Full disclosure, I count 11 tourists in total on my visit. I sit on Lissos' old harbour wall, now 600 foot inland, nibbling the last of the graviria and ponder. If your dream holiday is a package resort, Crete delivers in buckets and spades. But do you really go away to see tour groups? You do not. Hiding in plain sight are other versions of Crete. Unlike resorts, they don't pretend to be perfect, but I'll bet it's their encounters, discoveries, incidents that you talk about afterwards. The graviria is finished. The sea winks ahead of me. Time for a swim. Direct flights operate to Harnia International Airport from May to October. British Airways goes from Heathrow, EasyJet from Gatwick and Ryanair from Stansted, East Midlands, Leeds Bradford, Manchester and Newcastle. Out of season, Olympus Airways operates domestic flights from Athens. If time is no object, Ankh and Blue Star ferries sail from Athens Piraeus to Harnia. Thank you to Angus Barker and thank you to James Stewart too, the witch journalist behind that original piece of writing. Now remember you can find more articles that you'll find useful every day on everything from cars and technology to home and garden advice by signing up to one of our many free email newsletters and you can do that at witch.co.uk forward slash newsletters. We'll be back next week for another Witch Shorts. Thanks for listening. Wit Shorts was produced by me, Rob Lilly, while the exec producer was Angus Farker. <laughs>